Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three. And you're going to go out of here at the Big Eight middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. It is On the Block. It is not Strick and Austin. I'm Austin Norman. He's Jake Bachoven filling in for Strick on his way to Las Vegas Summer League. DP and Rico headed out there with them as well. I believe DP and Rico are boots on the ground in Vegas by now, or at least close to it. Uh, Strick, I think, is just about to head out and he'll get there this evening. Um, before we get the show started, we do have to acknowledge that we do come to you with, with heavy hearts and may be a little distracted today. Um Yesterday, we cut off our local programming at four uh, so we could go rally around Mark Onweiler, um, Olivia, their family, their friends at uh, Jordan's visitation. And today was the funeral service. That's why you had early break with Sip and Jake, uh, took some time off so the ticket family could, again, rally around the Onweiler family, uh, be at the funeral. Um, You know, thoughts and prayers always, you know, to the Onweilers. Um, I'm a big believer in the power of prayer. If you're someone who prays a lot, now's a great time to do it for, for Mark, Olivia, their family. Um, if you haven't prayed in a while, now's a great time to do it, uh, for Mark, Olivia, their family, peace and comfort. And if you've never tried praying before, great time to do it for Mark, for Olivia, their family. Um, that's the prayer aspect of it. The thought part of it, um, also something we can act on, right? Think about Mark, think about Olivia, but what does that mean? What do you do with it? Um, it means you you hold your family close, right? You hold them tighter. You, you give them a hug. You cherish those memories more. You put the phone down. You talk to them. Um, you, you create those memories. You cherish them. You live in the moment with them because we, we truly never know, um, you know, how many of those moments, how many of those opportunities we get. So Mark, Olivia, Onweiler family, you're in our thoughts. You're in our prayers. We love you. We're here for you. Um, take it family. Thank you for understanding for, for coming alongside them and us as we, we deal with this, this curveball that we didn't see coming. Um, thank you. We appreciate your support. I know Mark and his family do as well. Um, Bach. Yeah. You know, tough day. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I uh, couldn't say much better than, than what you did just did, but, uh, you know, I, it was uh, a beautiful service for a be- beautiful person, a beautiful family. And, uh, obviously, like you said, uh, struggling a little bit now, um, you know, it's, you know, trying to c- celebrate the life of, of Jordan and, uh, and, you know, just be there for the Onweiler family. Mark is an incredible guy. I've worked with him almost 10 years now, or at least known him for that long. And, um, 
it's a, it, you know, it's just a sad situation. And, and, and again, um, you know, d- try your best to honor Jordan in, in celebrating her life. Absolutely. So it's uh, going to be tough to transition to talk about, yeah. you know, sports, you know, for the next couple hours with, with all that going on, but we're going to try. Um, this is of course on the block here in 93, seven, the ticket brought to you by Mary Ellen's food for the soul. Uh, big thanks to Charles and his crew for the work that they do uh, every day. Uh, they're back open today, uh, open yesterday through the weekend. So make sure you go down and check them out. Uh, what's on the lineup for today? Uh, we got a lot to get to. We'll, we'll talk some Husker football and some college football here in our number one. And Buck, you're going to play the shootout. All right. When's the last time, if ever, you've played the shootout? <laughs> it's usually I'm usually the one asking the questions, but uh, I think I've, I've done it a few times. And uh, I'll, I'll say this. I, I feel pretty confident because I'm usually pretty good at trivia. So I look forward to it. Excellent. I'm not going to spoil what it is. So you have to remain on the edge of your seat. Yes, that's for right. What the, the topic is. Um, and then today in 2019, Jimmy Butler traded from Philadelphia to Miami. Mm. Do we see Dame Lillard traded today? In honor of that, what does Dame do for <laughs> Miami? Uh, we'll kind of break that trade down and go through all that in our number two. Um, but, Bach, you were on your phone uh, scrolling through stuff before the show, and you found a, a ranking from 24-7 Sports about some of the best and the worst coaches against the top 25 uh, in college football. The first thing that stood out to me was a lot of Big Ten flavor. Yeah. A lot of it. The first coach on the list is Big Ten, in fact, and Mike Loxley. Uh, two and 23 in his career against the Power Five. Um, kind of in line, but obviously worse than his overall head coaching record. <laughs> I like what Mike Loxley is doing and building at Maryland, but that next step for him is he's got to find a way to get over the hump in a super tough Big Ten East division. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know for Nebraska, it's going to get more difficult as we transition uh, to divisionless Big Ten football. Uh, but for a team like Maryland, man, is that going to be a breath of fresh air? Uh, you know, hopefully not having to see uh, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State every year. And then usually whether it's Maryland themselves or Indiana one year, Michigan State another year, um, you know, there, there's usually some pretty good competition even past that to be fourth in the Big Ten East. But it is still it, it is is very uh, every year in and year out known. And it is this year again. I mean, you got three teams in the Big Ten East um, buying for the top ten. And then you don't really see a team for a while. And I think Maryland could be that next team. But like you said, with this list, it really shows, you know, there there are there are conferences where it's difficult. We talk about the SEC and, you know, those, those top t- teams that you play. And we'll, we'll go down that list. Either. You know, those teams generally beat the teams they're supposed to as well. But the Big Ten seems to be, <laughs> especially in that East, uh, a certain order that stays that order year in and year out. I can't wait to see. I, I feel like Maryland, and, I, you know, you feel this every couple of years, I suppose. I kind of felt it last year, and they still couldn't get over that hump. They eventually become that team that's like, okay, they'll fight against, uh, you know, a, a, a good team. They'll lose to a really good team, uh, usually not even in a close fashion. Um, and they'll win a lot of the games that they're supposed to. Uh, and hopefully they can take that next step up because I'd like to see it with the uh, baby Tua uh, out there for this this final year and, and this that program rising. Absolutely. Elsewhere in the Big Ten East on this list, you have Tom Allen, who's three and twenty three in his career against top twenty five teams. Three is is better than Michael Oxley's two. But the issue for Indiana fans is that all three of them came in that nearly magical twenty twenty year. I still think the Big Ten made the right decision in sending Ohio State to the conference championship game. But at the same time, you have to feel for Tom (laughs) Allen and Indiana, um, how that got snatched away from them. Michael Penix Jr. in his first, you know, really 
breakout onto the scene season in 2020. It's tough to win at Indiana, given that division, given the location, given, you know, that they haven't consistently invested in football like they have the basketball team. Um, but I think Tom Allen's time is getting close. Greg Schiano back at Rutgers, 0-10 in uh, the last few years. He's been back at Rutgers, but 4-27 and overall. Um, James Franklin, 13-20 and overall. But if you take out his 1-9 and at Vandy, he's above 500 mm. against top 25 teams at Penn State. Jim Harbaugh, 16 and 18 against the top 25. And that brings us to Matt Rule and Nebraska. Obviously, Matt Rule hasn't faced a top 25 team at Nebraska unless you think that Nebraska is going to be that good, in which case Matt Rule's offense and defense have gone against the top 25 team in practice all spring. <laughs> I'm not willing to go that. that far. I am not willing to go that far. But Matt Rule, um, in his time at Baylor, I think that's the most illustrative uh, to some degree, oh, and 11 in his time at Baylor against top 25 teams. Is that something? Is it nothing? What do you make of that? Oh, and 11 specifically. I think it's something I, I, and I think it's, it's something that we talk about when, when you look at coaches and who's checking off all the boxes and he checked off a lot of the boxes. There, there were some concerns and, and some things and it's, it's hard to get the perfect candidate, right? Um, right. Not only for, uh, you know, just one job, even if you do get a guy that checks all the boxes, it's not guaranteed to win. Otherwise, it'd be a, a simple formula to figure out who <laughs> should be the next coach. Um, but, you know, you talk about the concerns for Matt Rule coming in, uh, obviously not being in college football for a couple of years, uh, the landscape uh, escape kind of changing there. Um First year, uh, lack of success was one that I looked at, um, but it is, you know, it, it's all overall kind of the program building idea. But do you do you hit a point? Uh, to where the program is built, but it can't get over the hump. And and Matt Rule didn't stay along, stay at Baylor long enough to know that. Uh, we just know that he he didn't quite get the big wins at Baylor uh, that you need, even even the you know a, one big upset against a top twenty five team. So his his record overall against top twenty five two and sixteen. Um, it's eleven percent. It's it it's not great. Uh, you know it is it is a concern. I think moving forward, but you know, I think with a list like this, it, it, it it's obviously it's just kind of like we'll get to that when we when we get to that, right? It's it's more like all right, well, let's Matt Rule is supposed to get this team, and whether it's this year or the next couple of years, you think of the program, get it back to basically where Bo had it, minus you know some of the Bo problems that you had there, um, and so. You know, I, I think it will eventually become a concern because it, it it's tough to, to look away from. But again, when you talk about what he inherited at, at Baylor specifically or at Temple, um, you know, you're you're not favored in those games, obviously. Right. When you look back at the Baylor tenure, there's not really a through line you can draw to say, well, he played this team better than this team or he played better at home or on the road. There were close games at home and on the road. There were blowouts at home and on the road against some of the same teams. That first year in 2017, uh, they hosted number three, Oklahoma, lost by eight. Respectable showing, 49-41. Oh, yeah. uh, then you go to Oklahoma State, who's ranked number 14th. You lose by 43. You host number 23, West Virginia, you lose by two. You go to number 10, TCU, you lose by 23. Super mixed bag. The next year, after you lose by one possession to Oklahoma at home, you go to Norman, get blasted by 33. You go to Austin, lose to Texas by six. The same West Virginia team you lost to by a pair of points the year before, you lose by 44. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 44 points. And then you go to Iowa State, 
who's ranked number 23, and you'll lose by 14. Then in 2019, the three games uh, were all in the back half of the season. You host number 10 Oklahoma as you're a top, top 12 team yourself. You lose it by a field goal. Okay, coin flip game, you're competitive, you're in it to the end. Um, you then have a rematch with Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game in 2019. Lose that one by a touchdown. Okay, one possession game. And then um, in the Sugar Bowl, you lose by a couple possessions to Georgia. Mm. In that 2019 Georgia team, you know, of course, helping set the stage for the playoff run in 2020, then the back-to-back championships in 22 and 23. So I, I think it, what that tells me is they built, right? The mixed bag the first couple of years, then by year three, I know they lost them and it's a, you know, win-lose business. It's black and white. It, you play to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say. But they at least took a step in the right direction. We know Nebraska struggles in close games recently. I, I think that's a different animal, right? Because mm-hmm. those were, you're rated in the top 15. And then it just comes down to essentially a coin flip, a play or two here or there. I think that's a positive-ish side. Yeah, yeah. I, I and, and, you know, some of those losses, too. There's a difference between losing to a ranked upstart I don't know, Kansas or whoever got in last year and then Oklahoma or Georgia. You know, right. so a lot of those teams are, you know, in West Virginia, kind of a side. And I know they played them a few times, but um, in, in a lot of those games being close. So, I mean, I think it, it, it's it's not an overwhelming concern. Um, it, it just doesn't look good. You know, it's just not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a stat that you're going to say, oh, well, that that's going to make make things uh, all better, uh, you know, down the line is that he can go in there and, and win top 25 games um, again, got some done at Temple which is, you know, a pair of top 25 victories. I think it comes out to two and five. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There, um, that's pretty good for being at Temple um, and, and where their program was is, is building it up. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's too alarming. It is it, it is something to kind of kind of consider, and but it will also kind of be for him and and when and when Nebraska say when not if uh gets gets those victories it you know it will be it will be kind of uh refreshing for him too so uh, i think that can kind of be be good uh in, you know in in different ways so you know i i i think it's something to kind of monitor um but I don't know if that's this year, right? I mean, you're not supposed to win top 25 games this season. Uh, the one game that I think we all know for sure is going to have a top 25 team in it, Michigan. I don't think I've seen anybody pick or even have <laughs> any sort of hope that Nebraska will beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, now, as the game arrives, uh, I think we'll, hopefully by then we'll have some sort of hope. But, um, you know, it that's it, 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 it's crazy. Just kind of thinking where Nebraska is as a program with Matt rule um, kind of taking over. It's a third straight year with a third straight kind of uh, face lift or, you know, <laughs> fresh coat of paint or whatever it is. So, you know, it, the stability of the program's not necessarily there. You're trying to, to start that this season. Um, and I think that, that it, it will be worth monitoring though, too, because I think if you, if you want a nine win season, you know, good luck. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Probably not. 
but I do think that maybe something like this where, you know, you can kind of mutually get something done with your Matt rule. And if you're Nebraska, maybe you don't win nine games, maybe you win five or six, but you get a, a top 25 victory, you get an upset in there. Um, you know, I, I think that that would be possible. It's hard to say without seeing this team. I don't know what this team's going to look like, but just given Matt rules, History doesn't lean into it too much, but I think that that would be something that would kind of be an additional, you know, okay, here's, yeah, this is a little bit different than the runs he's had at Baylor and Temple. Right. So the two wins that Matt Rule does have over top 25 teams, the first one came in year two at Temple, uh, only played one top 25 game that year, and they beat number 21 East Carolina by 10, then uh, went 0-2 in 2015, 2016, just again, uh, in the American Athletic Conference, only one top 25 opportunity. It was on the road at Navy, who was ranked 20th. They beat him 34 to 10, mm. really controlled that game. Something else interesting to, to look at was how do you do in the first years at both these places? 0-3 in that first year, uh, number 14, Notre Dame, beat him by three touchdowns. Same for number seven, Louisville. But then by the end of the year, they lost by a field goal in overtime to number 15, UCF. And then we went over that mixed bag at Baylor. You mentioned the Nebraska schedule, what it looks like. Michigan, for sure, on that list. What are the other possibilities? Is Illinois that next week ranked in week, will that be week six? Yeah, week yeah. six, Illinois ranked maybe? Could be. I think that's a that's a possibility. I don't know if you're, if you, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be preseason ranked, so no. they'd have to work their way in there. Michigan State, no. No. Maryland by week 10, mm, probably 11, not. probably not. Wisconsin, maybe? They're, they're a preseason, darling. That's a year one, too. I feel pretty good that Iowa will be right. Though. Mm. It, it pains me to say, <laughs> but I... You think I was gonna headed for a good year? I think they're headed for a winning the West year. Yeah. Unfortunately. I can see it. Yeah. Minnesota might play its way into that conversation, depending on how Cali Manis comes along, but they won't be ranked, you know, in 56 days, whatever that right. is, when Nebraska and uh, Minnesota kick off. Um, Wisconsin, I don't know. But Iowa, I think, has enough back on defense, even with the pieces they lost. Mm -hmm. And I am on record as believing that Cade McNamara is the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Wow. I don't think it's very close. Mm -hmm. I think he's a better version of Hudson Card. Um, I don't think he has the natural, you know, physical abilities that Jeff Sims does. But I think Cade McNamara is a better quarterback right now. Mm -hmm. Right. He'll take care of the ball. He'll make the right decision, has enough arm strength, has good touch. You add Eric all to that conversation, the transfer wide receiver from Ohio State in that mix as well. They're excited about their running backs and I, I trust their offensive line to bounce back. So for me, it's Iowa at the top of the West and that's a, a top 25 game for Nebraska in Lincoln at the end of the year. And that to me, Bach, if there is going to be a top 25 win for Nebraska, let's make it that Iowa one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that was a big win for Nebraska last year, even though, um, you know, just just a good send off for the season and, and, and you know, that that coaching staff, I suppose, and, and just, you know, getting getting it out of the way, you know, not, not letting that streak continue. Um, it's interesting how those Iowa games go, because, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're so close. And obviously, that was a big part of the whole era with Scott Frost. Um and then sometimes they just go out there and shellac you and make you feel really bad about yourself. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I could, I could see it. Um, it. It's just, it's so hard. Like I said, it's so hard to project anything with not knowing what Nebraska, what version of Nebraska you're going to get. Um, you know, they, they say they're going to do, you know, do this and that and ball control and run behind their offensive line and fullbacks. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, that sounds great. That's what I, that's what I want. I think that's the, the right thing to say to set the culture. 
Um, but I don't know if, if, if they, if it's there now, they do have, I think an offensive line that's struggled for years. Uh, you add three pieces. That's a big facelift itself. Um, uh, you know, with, with Norton Welly coming back, uh, Ben Scott at center. And then of course, Teddy Prosca coming back from injury that could, that could really change some things. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully things, things get on the right path. I, 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 I gotta be honest again. My concern is less of this top 25 conversation than, the first year that he's had at the, at the, at his, at his programs. I always thought that that was kind of, okay, you're probably going to go through it year one. And again, saying mm-hmm. the right thing, as far as, you know, this, this team's ahead of where his other teams were. And, you know, you don't want to go into a year saying, yeah, it'll probably be a bit of a oh, year two. You'll catch it. We heard that from Scott Frost. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if you can expect consistency out of Nebraska. And that's why I say, I don't know if I would hesitate to say, okay, they're going to win eight or nine games. I think it's going to be kind of hit or miss from week to week, at least as, as far as we can tell. Um, but maybe one of those hits is against Iowa. One of those hits is in, against a top 25 team where you can at least kind of grab the attention of the nation. The nation's not expecting Nebraska uh, to be a top 25 team this year, but maybe for one or two weeks, um, you know, have the nation look your way and go, Hey, they, they actually got things started and rolling there in Lincoln. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of my hope for this season. Um, but again, what do you, when I combined three games in, in two, two first years, <laughs> I, I, I guess that's my, my, my hope is <laughs> what I said it was. And my fear is, um, that it, it might be a, another long season for the Huskers. And, and again, for me, um, it's that's not what the Husker fan base deserves, and we know they'll show up and, and, and be loud. Um, and and I hope that you know the negativity can kind of um, subside there if it does go that way. Um, but you can kind of tell. I mean, I kind of think back to Bill Callahan's first year, Mike Riley's first year, Scott Frost's first year. Halfway through the season, you know, you knew this. This is this is going to be a bit of a rebuild. You know, this isn't this isn't uh, you picking up where the last guy started, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew and Wahoo sends in a picture from college game day when it went to temple, uh, Matt rules, not wearing the smock on his appearance. So I'm vaguely disappointed about that. <laughs> um, but the note on screen is the temple was seven to zero for the first time in school history at that point. So mm-hmm. that's a little cool note. And Longsker asks part of this discussion, would you rather, uh, win against Iowa or against Michigan? I would rather, I mean, if you hadn't beaten Iowa last year, I might say Iowa, but I, I always say Michigan. Then that's been a conversation for years. People say, well, do you want to win? Do you want to beat Wisconsin? Do you want to beat Iowa? And the, and the, the best answer there is, you know, for divisional purposes, um, you know, maybe you lean that way. I've always leaned toward if you could beat Ohio State, if you could beat Michigan, those are losses that resonate throughout, the, again, the year of college football. The recruits kind of pay attention. When, when Purdue... Uh, had their big upset over Ohio State or Iowa did, and, and those those particular were blowout fashion. But you know that's that's what I'm pointing at. I can I can recall those. I talk about those years later. Those teams rarely lose, so when they do, it's shocking and it, it's a big story, and you'll get a lot of attention for it. If Nebraska beats Wisconsin this year, locally we'll be all excited about it, and maybe that's more important than nationally. But it will hardly, you know, depending on where Wisconsin is, but it will hardly be much of a footnote, you know. A day later, I mean, even that day. So that's that's my answer. I always think you, you've got you've got maybe season changing victories, which I think Wisconsin and Iowa could be where or you could have program type of changing victories where a victory over Michigan could really jumpstart the program in my mind. You can tell me this is getting too cute, but for me, it really depends on the context. If Nebraska is undefeated heading into Michigan week at home, I want that Michigan win. Mm. I will 
I will trade the Iowa win for a Michigan win <laughs> in a heartbeat to get Nebraska to, you know, five and oh over a top five team. I think it's safe to assume at that point, um, a, a little bit of revenge for the 2020 game, how that went down, um, get another crack at, I assume again, if Nebraska's four and oh, Michigan takes care of business, that's a night game. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's big noon, but ABC picked that one for the night game back in 2020. And I'm bummed I wasn't able to be in the stadium for that one. That's an absolutely electric looking environment. So that kind of win that early to set the tone would be great. But say Nebraska loses to Minnesota. Okay. Um, The Colorado game isn't inspiring. I don't know if that's a win or a loss. I would like to think a win, but we don't know. Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech weren't good last year. But business as usual would be losing to Michigan this year. Mm -hmm. If you tell me Nebraska is five and six heading into Iowa week and their top 25 coming to your house. Yeah. I want that Iowa win. I absolutely want that Iowa win, especially if you know, you beat Wisconsin the week before. Can you get both of them in the same year? If you lose to Wisconsin the week before you kind of lost that narrative battle, can you bounce back and, you know, take it out on, on Iowa there? So I think you're onto something in the context of the season versus the program. Um, I was going to be good. They're going to come in upset after how things went down yeah. last year. Um, last thing for this segment, then D man on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in there. Says Cade McNamara is extremely overrated, very average at Michigan on a playoff team than bad, uh, in the game he played last year. I wouldn't say he was terrible. I mean, 14 to 25 for 180 yards, a touchdown to pick isn't great, but again, that's the game. He started. It's a very limited sample size too, right? The year before that 2021, um, complete 64% of his passes, 2,500 yards and 15 to six touchdown interception ratio. Again, not world beating, but think about the running game that they had to lean on, um, especially between you know, Haskins and Corum and, and all those guys. And even in 2020, uh, four games, he plays in 61% completion, five touchdowns, no picks. I'm not saying Kane McNamara is a superstar by any means. Don't get me wrong. He's the perfect big 10 West quarterback though. Game manager yeah. to some degree, maybe a little higher ceiling, but Cade McNamara won't be the reason you Iowa loses games like their quarterbacks have been in years past. Well, and, and to, to your credit too, you're, when you say he's the best in the Big Ten West, maybe that you know that's that does like catch your catch your ears. But then you kind of think about it, and it's like who's who's number two? You know who's number three? I mean, you, right. you know. So I mean, they, there's there's a lot of question marks out there. I think it's a, a solid upgrade for sure uh, mm-hmm. for Iowa, and you know they, they added some other pieces there. Um, so you know, I I. I, I Again, I, I I probably fall somewhere in the middle there where I do think, you know, the the name probably um, because of the run at Michigan would make you, you know, is maybe a little bit more elevated in national conversations than maybe it should be. But as far as being the best in the Big Ten West, I, I, I'd say sure. I'd, I'd say he's probably, you know, starting out right there. He's Jake Bakoven. I'm Austin Norman. You're listening to On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket. We've been talking college football in segment one. We'll keep it going in segment two. Quinn Ewers puts on an NIL event down in Texas, and the ticket prices are pricey. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> that. Uh, what Huskers would you uh, pay this amount of money to go to an NIL event for? And also the Big 12's media preseason poll was released. Uh, where do the newcomers fall? Where do the uh, soon-to-be uh, exitees in Texas and Oklahoma land in this preseason. But we'll talk some Big 12. We'll talk some NIL next on the block. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.